Oh, he started it. <laughs> Every time. I wish there was like a little sound papa. <laughs> I was being very patient. I've always wondered, like, I always come to the podcast shirtless uh, and a lot less clothes. Why do you guys never do that? It's just us. We're not, they can't see this. Well, because when this happens, I've usually been awake for like three hours. So why? Why? Because I'm like, I got to go take my dog outside. And I don't. Isn't it hot out? It's 100 degrees in fucking where I'm at right now. I feel like you you've talked about exactly where you're at plenty. Of yeah, time. but but I could I could have moved. I, could, I don't know why I got scared of doxing myself in that moment. Maybe it's because I've been like shirtless, and now they know I'm naked and vulnerable during recording, yeah. and they'll triangulate and find out, out when we record, and then they're gonna scout. You know those people, those streamers recently, where they're like they have a picture and they're like uh, Zambibia or like shit, in like two oh, seconds. Yeah, like, GeoGuessr. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like wild. that's what, like, there's a certain subgroup of people who listen to podcasts that can figure out where they're located. Echolocation. Mm-hmm. Ah! They just they just listen for the sounds of the tough <laughs> cut. Our voices are unmistakable. Yeah. By the way, it's bouncing off the walls. He's definitely in uh, Zanzibar. I'm recording this from Zanzibar. Laleo. That was a song I sang in choir Zanzibar. when I was Zanzibar in, uh, to fight the Zanzibarbarians. Cool. Well, Zanzibar. Uh, hello and welcome back. We're the this Tusca podcast. Uh, and this is episode 69. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's why I'm shirtless. Why are you guys not shirtless? Jake, I'm pantsless. <laughs> Together, you make one nude man. Um, this is episode 69. Nice. nice. Part three of our rom-com bracket, and I'm Matthew. I'm Alex. I'm Sexy Jake this time around. Whoa, Sexy yeah. Jake. Yeah. Bringing a new energy Yeah, for those who don't even know what I look like at all who listen, yeah, you just imagine, ooh, Jake's shirtless? Wow. I wonder what that thing looks like. Ooh. That yeah. thing being his one large nipple. Yeah, well, okay. You know? <laughs> That was anyway, a uh, coming at you on today's episode, <laughs> Stellar Improv and Two Matchups. <laughs> uh, that was scripted, actually. <laughs> this whole episode is. Um, honestly, it's a joke we use all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this podcast is all scripted uh, because you only get jokes like these when they've been pre-written. Uh, coming at you in today's episode, we've got Parent Trap versus Pretty Woman. And The Wedding Singer versus DDLJ. Wow, guys, I just realized none of my movies moved on. I just, I thought Paratrap got voted out for some reason. <laughs> well, it was up against There's Something About Mary. So oh, that's, that's right. <laughs> Big win for the boy. You know, Big I think, Alex, you picked good movies, just bad matchup luck. It happens. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, There's Something About Mary, I don't think well, it's a good yeah. movie. Well, yeah. I was going to say, that was a bad pitch one. There's Something About Mary? <laughs> Yeah, forgot I don't about know. that. Forgot about that. Yeah, we we burned that out of a <laughs> out of our brains. Hey, Jake, do you want to introduce Parent Trap? Yeah, 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 yeah. I can totally do that. Uh, Parent Trap. It's 1998, directed by Nancy Myers, <laughs> not the one from Stranger Things. I'm appealing to our youth and the youths. The youths. But yeah, this Parent Trap, it's a remake uh, of the 1961 film. There are twins. They're strangers. They don't, They got separated early on because of a divorce. Pretty messy. Things got crazy. There's a prequel where it's just a courtroom. And they go to camp and they find out, wait, we kind of look like each other. But they don't really solve that right away. It takes some like shenanigans of them being, you know, shenaniganed together. Um, so they switch places. One goes... To Amer- the Britain, the British one goes to America. The, the, the British, the American one goes to Britain. Yeah, I don't know why I'm okay, giggling. I'm, um, I didn't think I loved this movie so much. I didn't think it was possible, Jake, that you could ruin the Parent Trap for me. <laughs> but it might have just happened. Nice. Look, they're they're just trying to get their family family together again. 
There's two twins. They 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 don't really know the nuances of why they divorced. It could have been real messy, but they're like they still love each other because they're kids, and so they're just trying to make their family whole again. Nice. There we go. We got there. Nice. Uh, and on the I love it again. On the other side of the bracket, we've got Pretty Woman, released in 1990, directed by Gary Marshall. <laughs> Gary Marshall. Every time. not in SpongeBob. <laughs> Appealing to the youth. Um. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, And he got big business corporate raider. He makes a lot of money, but he's bad at relationships. And then we've got the um, sex worker with a heart of gold, Vivian, um, who slowly melts his icy heart as they fall in love after he hires her. Uh, Yeah, that's the, the, the short and sweet of it. So talking about these two movies, I, I actually want to first address parent trap a little bit. Don't do it. It's a trap. <laughs> Thank you. And something I feel like we didn't get into mm-hmm. is how asinine and ridiculous the parents plan was like. Oh, for the divorce? <laughs> yeah. Be like, you get one child. I get the other. And we never tell them that they have a and sibling. Like, the courts <laughs> agreed to that, right? Like, yeah. They, <laughs> they okay. We're OK with that's, that. The courts agreed with that shit. And that's kind of dark when you really so think about it. Here's my thing with it. These kids literally never would have known, never would have been an issue, never would have come up in their lives, except for the off chance they both happened to go to this one little camp together. Yeah. They never would have. Well, you know, I kind of I kind of disagree with that because these are two rich people, right? They're rich. So yeah. they're going to grow up and they have a high percentage of being really successful because they're rich and white. So if they would have gotten publicity for being rich sexual, they would have seen, hey, that motherfucker looks just like me. Or they would have mm-hmm. been like, so that's a possibility. Or it just would have been like someone did a background check on these motherfuckers because they're rich and be like, okay, hey. But this is also this is also in the 90s. It's not the internet age. You don't have as much of like when picture, they're like 40, you, there's no it's Instagram be current time. Like, you know, right. it's, but they didn't not. know that there was going to be like Instagram and social media where you can just see everyone all the time. They knew the rich okay. news stuff like that before. we. Did. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, all right. <laughs> you're right. All right. I'm ready to vote. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that your conspiracy here, Jake? That <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> OK. Rich nice. people know about apps before they happen. Yeah. Matt, did you know? Oh, God. <laughs> um, that's why he was so silent during that portion he knew yeah i'm, I'm sussing out how much jake knows does is he going to expose us does he does he need to be killed um also our our two romantic leads um mm-hmm. what nick nick and elizabeth yeah do you think they got married on the boat because you know a, a captain can marry people legally on the ocean yeah, I think it was like a. I think the story we don't get is they met on spring break. On uh, that on, on that fancy ass cruise ship, they were on spring break. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean it's like spring break for rich people. I don't know, and uh, <laughs> they met yeah, on Matt, it, and it Matt. was like Vegas rules. <laughs> Vegas rules. Well, like a captain can marry like if you're out to sea, a captain can marry anybody on a boat. I don't know why, but they can. Why? Why aren't more captains just holding people hostage, making them get married? Uh, I was with uh, you till the holding them hostage uh, piece. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing I said. Sure. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I just wanted. I feel like I don't know. We didn't dig into that stuff, and I feel like it, it's critical to the parent trap. You know, is that these parents? They not okay. The parents were the ones trapping. Yeah, the parent trap actually was the the parents were trapped by a captain mm, who made forced them to get, get married, married, which is why yeah. they're like going no contact. We each take a child. That makes sense. So, yeah. which is a movie I'd love to see. We we talked about this a little bit for Pretty Woman, um, where we were like, yeah, uh, likely their relationship is not going to last because um, his lifestyle is definitely not going to change. In the parent trap, do we think the the parents stay together? I kind of think so. I think it's harder to break up when the kids are older. Mm. Of course, you know. <laughs> and now they know each other happen. exists. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it adds a layer that they aren't ready to deal with. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they're I think, too, rich. like, they're both rich and successful. Neither of them seem like they're going to be unfaithful. They do like oh. each other. I think they'll stay together. Do yeah. you think they I, moved and, to and Napa think, or to London? Uh, halfway, they go to Cleveland. 
I bet uh, I bet Napa because her <laughs> she can design wedding dresses in other places. Hmm. Yeah, but his he can't do his humble farm work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> do we think the the butler and um, the nanny stay together? That's I think tough. it's strictly a sexual relationship. It, yeah, it feels like it's very hot and heavy. I think it's, you know? yeah, it's fast and loose, hot and heavy. Candle that that burns from both ends kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, but it's a long candle. That seems like a super ineffective candle, by the way. Yeah, I don't know why anyone would make that. But yeah, but it'd be really you know? cool. Imagine grabbing it in the middle. They're lit on both ends and you twirl it. And you spray wires oh, everywhere. Cool. Oh, cool. That's nice. pretty sexy, too. I bet they do that. Yeah, we, as you can tell, audience, we're just <laughs> really full. Okay, of I do have an actual today. point. I do have an actual point. Matt, mm-hmm. I think you need to reconsider whether or not The Parent Trap is a rom-com. And here's why. Okay. Hey, fuck <laughs> off. I think. <laughs> no, I'm telling Matt to think of it as a rom-com. Yeah, because, because I, I think I of it as a rom-com it with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. I think a classic rom-com story is the story of two people trying to get two other people to come to like get together, like trying to get two people to date. Mm-hmm. That's what this movie is. Yeah. Except normally when that is the plot, like there was the, I can't remember what the name of it is, the setup or something where the two employees try to get their bosses to date because they're like, damn, our lives are miserable, which is pretty fun. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I actually, that's actually a really good movie. Yeah, it's cute. Um, I like really like I really like I read the script for that and it's like a tight script. It's a good script. Really nice. nice. There's That's... actually there's a newer one that was Charlie Day and Jenny Slate too, where they like oh um, they good. each got broken up with by the love of their life and then they like try to get them back together but then they fall in love. Yeah. So yeah. normally when that is the set the it plot, up. That's the movie. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, normally when that is the plot, you don't spend forty five minutes not having that be the plot because it it isn't until like 40 minutes into the parent trap that they are like oh we actually even like get to see the parents you know but okay so here's my thing this movie has to establish who the characters are and why it matters yeah but you spend 40 minutes doing camp antics and if you really wanted the romance to be front and center you could have cut that down and had the The romance romance was the first scene we saw at the boat. Yeah. That, That's the first thing we saw. It establishes the whole thing. Yes. And then you spend literally 40 minutes just like goofing off at camp, which I like I love, you know, it's funny and a good family comedy. I just don't think that that is setting you up to be a romantic film, you know, and then they don't even see each other again until like over an hour into the movie. There's like 20 minutes of runtime left, you know, and I just don't think that yeah, makes for but- a good rom-com. In my mind, I think it's taking the time to fully develop each of the characters because I think what you need is a reference to the children and how the children affected their relationship. I mean, it's giving context to like the the this movie's trying to like subvert like you know like classic rom-com with like still like it's mainly comedic, it's mainly like the premises whatever, but um it's it's centered at the heart of these two kids. Like it's not the thing like in set it up where like the people who are setting up the people falling in love, they also fall in love. It's more these two sisters are learning to love each other because they never got a chance to as sisters, but then romantically set up a relationship because they believe in love so much. So it's seeing someone try to set up people who believe in love so much, but they're just like, you know, they're just a vessel. A vessel. Yeah. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think the hump to get me to agree <laughs> when the parent trap is not matched up against <laughs> there's something about Mary to mm-hmm, agree mm-hmm. that parent trap is a rom-com is pretty high because like to me, a rom-com has to spend, you know, most of its runtime on that relationship. And I, I don't think the parent trap does that. You know, the first 40 minutes is like the two girls to getting to know each other. And then the next half an hour is them getting to know their respective parents. And but then the final so much of that minutes, when they're getting to know their parents, so much of the establishing information we get about their parents is the way that they were affected by the relationship in the past and where they are now and like how they still think about that past relationship. We get that constantly in that 30 minutes when we first meet those characters again. Um. 
I guess. I don't know if I'd go with I constantly. Feel like so, but like so much of what we get about the two parents is their current relationship status, like how they feel about the kids, like how they like it, it's so much of what we get for those two characters is about their relationship. So I think it I I, I don't think you can discount it. I mean, I, I just disagree, I guess. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like I, mm-hmm. I just don't. I don't. I it, like I, I don't think that that amount of dedication to like an active relationship is enough to like, like having a romantic subplot to me doesn't make something a romance movie. It just means it has a romantic subplot. You know, like would we call Transformers right. a romance because it has a romantic yes. subplot? Oh, okay. One sorry. of our viewers would. <laughs> okay, but one like, of our viewers probably will. And on her bird mentions, <laughs> like Transformers at the end of the day isn't about the relationship that is forming inevitably. That is true. With Parent like, Trap, the in, like the entire movie is building to this relationship. Like I the mean, entire arc of the movie of them getting back together is the entire goal. Yeah, of like what the that kids are is the to conflict. Yeah, is like I guess I, I will together. agree with that. But I think more centrally, it's about the two sisters. You know, like it's about their relationship and them coming together as a family. And by product of that, they bring their parents back together and become a familial unit. It's a movie about family, not a movie about romance. You think family can't be romantic? Watch Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I prefer when family doesn't get romantic. (laughs) You hear to hear first, folks. Matthew hates Game of Thrones. Whereas on the other (laughs) hand, like Pretty Woman is explicitly about their romance. You know, like yeah. that is upfront what the movie's doing. Sure, it, you know, it's not, I guess, if you want to call Parent Trap a subversive rom com because it's structurally, its romantic partners are not the main characters, I guess go for it. Whereas Pretty Woman is like undeniably a rom com, you know, the rom- so romance I, is front and center. And like, go ahead. I agree with that. What, what I think is interesting is that we are edging closer because Pretty Woman is undoubtedly a rom-com. There's something about Mary was undoubtedly a rom-com, but Pretty Woman is a better movie than There's Something About Mary. My question is, and this is what I'm considering when I vote for this, do I think Pretty Woman is a good enough movie to beat out The Parent Trap? Because I personally don't like the ending of Pretty Woman at all. Sure. I don't think it resolves the conflict that they have. I don't think it resolves his character conflict enough to like actually be a satisfying ending. Um, like his character flaw uh, throughout the movie is that they tell us he's always focused more on work than on women. But the entire movie that he's with Viv, he's getting shit from Jason Alexander because he's focusing more on Viv than on the business. And so I don't, like, and then he think, beats him and up then and be, fires him and then does and then a romantic he beats him up and gest- fires him. does a huge romantic gesture. Like right, I, I, I but, feel like if anyone's character flaw is resolved, it is it, the movie's trying to tell you it's his. You may not believe no, because it. Because the entire no, because the entire mm-hmm. movie he has resolved his character flaw already. It doesn't feel satisfying to me because the entire movie he's already doing so then he resolved more it. about Viv. Right. But then I don't care about like, I don't think he has an active flaw throughout the film. Like, they tell us he has that flaw at the beginning, and then he, it is suddenly fixed when Viv is in his life. Like, I don't get a satisfying conclusion to his arc. Because I feel like it's fixed right away when she's in his life, because he's basically the entire time he's with her, spends the time with her instead of working on business. Which is the runtime of the movie. Mm. Well, I, I do think the grand romantic gesture part, like, of of Pretty Women, like, does, it is, like, queued up in the whole film you know like the whole fantasy of like the knight saving from a castle and whatever and he climbs the fire escape like a castle and like whatever does the thing mm-hmm. like i don't know i think i think that's a pretty like I, I don't see that as like a bad ending i don't see no it's not that. a bad ending like it's a good romantic gesture i just think if you're thinking thematically about like what these characters deal with the whole movie and then what their final like fight is about it like doesn't resolve any of it I mean, I just think it's meant to be a promise to resolve it, you know, or like, mm-hmm. sure. You know, we talked about this a little bit the first time we talked about Pretty Woman. And yeah, like, could they have done, a, I don't know, a flash forward to <laughs> to, to show them at, happily in their relationship? Yeah, like at yeah. Hogwarts Station and they age them up and then. They <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, ideally, you know, and maybe throw a kid in there and that kid yeah. is, you know, going. Um, 
Whereas like, I just functionally don't think parent trap is a rom-com. So like, regardless of how good of a movie parent trap is (laughs) like, right. You know, I'm, I'm, it just, it's not, it's not gonna, I don't, I don't think you're gonna talk me into it. You know, what if I gave you money? Oh shit! Now you speak in my language. What if I paid you off, Jake? You already did that for. There's something about Mary. (laughs) You were really worried. I I don't know why. Really worried. I thought you loved it. I thought you fucking loved (laughs) my exact kind of movie. Yeah, I I I just don't really think of it as a as a rom com. At the end of the day, how about in the beginning of the day? Well, you know, my mind might change then. Okay. Cool. Cool. That's for you echolocators, so you can't figure out when we're recording. <laughs> they can't track Jake down. Nice. Oh, also, not at all relevant to our conversation. Sorry to pull us back into the weeds of uh, dumb shit. But uh, when they're fencing, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they don't clearly establish what kind of fencing it is. However, based all on the fact... eagle-eyed viewers out there. Based on the fact that they are slashing would imply that this is saber fencing. However, um, the target areas in which they're going for are not uh, conducive to saber fencing. Rather, it is they're they're attacking the full body as if it's epi fencing. Um, and I feel like the movie is not true to the sport. <laughs> OK, I'll, I'll write them. OK, I'll, I'll write Thank you. Them. Thank you. I, I really Christ. want future fencing scenes to be accurate. Dude, Gary's going to get it from me. All right. <laughs> Is there a version of fencing where you're allowed to just like run around a cool arena? Uh, no. <laughs> oh. really uh, that's cool, uh, what what is that called? It's like HEPA or something where you just like actually fight. Oh with yeah, swords. where you can't you can't say uh, like you know it's like a medical knowledge reality. Yeah, you can't say. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say, Alex, huh. challenge you a little bit with with the ending of Pretty Woman. Sure. Um. A thing that I like often is when films like don't actually tie everything up in a bow. And I know rom-coms usually are supposed to do that and give you this feeling (laughs) of love or whatever, but I don't care about supposed to in genres like films. I think it's more fun when it's kind of like Ooga Booga. Um, And that's why I like, I like, I like pretty, like it's, it's more realistic that it's not like, and then they lived happily. It's like, I, like, I don't know. think it needs to be like a happy ending to feel resolved. But in my mind, it's just like, I don't think it's done thematically well, mm. which to me, a rom-com generally has a very like simple, straightforward theming of like, not necessarily like in complexity, but in like, you get the theme, you understand what they're fighting about. You understand what the resolution is. I feel like in this movie, you get it, but it doesn't feel connected in the same way. Like the anything else could have happened at the beginning of the movie and they could have had the same fight at the end. You know, Mm. that's kind of where I'm coming from. Godzilla came. (laughs) Yeah, they could. Godzilla could have come and destroyed like the whole city and they're fleeing the city. And he's like, no, okay, 100%. Godzilla okay. could have come, destroyed the whole city. Right they flee off to England or wherever he has a second house or New York or wherever. Fair and enough. she's still a poor person in a like hoity-toity society, and he doesn't know how to defend her in that. It's the same thing. I don't buy it. But if we put giant robots in, then I understand. Because <laughs> yeah, that's more reflecting on society. Godzilla's like a... a Nature. That's like nature fighting. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Giant robots come. Call them transformers. Godzilla shows up. Godzilla shows up. Call them Godzilla shows up. Destroys Los Angeles. (laughs) The changers come in and start fighting Godzilla back. That's great. They save the day. But cut to thirty years later. More Godzillas come. They're all over the place, destroying a bunch of cities. Who has enough money to hire the changers to fight the Godzillas? Rich people. Hmm. So. Inevitably, you get societies of rich people that are defended by the changers. Where does Vivian end up? In one of these societies with uh, whatever the rich guy's name is. She feels out of place still. Mm. Same so end of the movie. What if they go to a poor society? Well, then they, they won't get because he's the rich and he would take them to a place where they can yeah, pay the changers so to defend them. So what if someone goes in the system, makes money cost zero dollars, 
you know, change. Well, now you're introducing up. outside elements to the story, and it's not a fair comparison. Too. Yeah, the, the Godzilla's <laughs> and all was way Jake, you can't just go upending a whole economic system. Right. So I crossed the line when I touched people's money. Fucking society, dude. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, capitalism's too entrenched. Uh, that's why we can't mm-hmm. change it. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in this universe, Nick and Elizabeth, are you saying they work because they both rich? So they, they both th- rich. Mm. Family safe. Family safe. I feel like that canceled out. PEMDAS. PEMDAS. Two rich people makes no rich people because <laughs> you just spend each other's money. Yeah. Do you think they have joint bank accounts? No. Yeah. Sorry, and and with that knowledge, I I have my vote. <laughs> that was yeah, the last clarifying question that I needed to make this okay. vote. Um, okay. I can I can go first because I think sure, it's it's very obvious. Um, I'm voting for for Pretty Woman. I think Parent Trap's a good movie. I just don't think it's a rom com. Um, I guess I can go next. I don't know. I I think in this argument, I've ended up being more anti Pretty Woman than I really am. But I think at the end of the day, I still think Parent Trap is a better rom-com than Pretty Woman. So I'm voting Parent Trap. Huh. <laughs> um, I am going to vote for Pretty Woman. Whoa. I love the Parent Trap. I, I really, I mean, I pitched it. Um, but it is some something about Pretty Woman feels daring for when it got made. And uh, I like it's like kind of non- non-full resolution rev- resolution and um i think i think it, it does feel more quintessential 90s rom-com whereas parent trap is a remake and it <laughs> is in the 90s it feels like a 1950s romance but that's yeah that romance is you know that's a <laughs> 1950s romance or 61 uh-huh. sorry is when the original came out but yeah i i'm gonna i'm gonna go against go against my own i'm gonna kill my own Puppy. Darling. Whoa. Oh. Whoa. Oh. Jake. Sorry. Sorry. Jeez, no. Whoa. no, 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 no. I didn't mean it. Jake, uh, save him I, for Godzilla. I, I didn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with that, Pretty Woman moves on. It doesn't matter because both of them will lose to the wedding singer in the end. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I can introduce the wedding singer. Yeah, go ahead. Wait, actually, okay. Okay, okay. This is unprecedented. I am going to ask Matt to reconsider his vote for DDLJ at the end of last episode. Oh my here's gosh. <laughs> I think there is an important argument to be made that we didn't discuss, and I think it might just change everything. Oh boy. <laughs> I think DDLJ is an incredible movie. It is so good. It did not need to be made in the 90s. It could have been made... Now, it could have been made in the early aughts. It could have been made in the 80s. Mm. I think You've Got Mail could only have been made in the 90s, and it is quintessential 90s. If you want to just disregard this, totally fine. I'm happy to move on. I felt it needed to be said. That's tough, because it is a very good point. I just wish (laughs) there had been a world where these movies hadn't met in the first round. Do you want to give me a response to that, Jake, or something? Because I, I, I just, I think I need a second to think. I mean, while you've got mail coming out in the '90s is like really interesting and like benefit in hindsight, I also think it could come out later. And like we actually talked about it during it, it could come out later, and it could be even better. Like because we have more of a grasp on technology, and it can become more understandable. Like, I I don't necessarily agree with the argument that it has to be 90s. I think it makes it more interesting to look at in hindsight. But if a movie like that came out now, uh, there could be way more nuance with, like, technology and all that stuff. Because that's, like, at the forefront of it. And, like, DDLJ, like, it it is a product of the 90s. Sure, it didn't have to be. But that's just the power. Like, I mean, like, it's just because it was such a well-crafted movie. Like, you know, it did come out in the 90s. And it's wild that it did because, like, yeah, it could come out today and do really well. But it came out in the 90s and still did well for years. Yeah, it's true. It was in theaters for 20 years. Which, to me, makes it seem like it didn't have to be the 90s. 
Well, it just makes it timeless. Just because a movie comes out in the time period and it becomes timeless, I don't think. It's I think something fall. being timeless means it doesn't need to be in that decade that it came out. Versus, I feel like you've got mail. While I agree, there is a lot of technology now that you could add relevance and thought. I think the way that it was structured, the way that the internet age was growing at that time was so central to the movie. If you did it now, it would lack something. If you did it now, you'd cast Noah Centineo and he'd be swiping on the super Tinder. It's only funny if you have watched the thousand movies Noah Centineo has been in and they're all dog shit. Why do I know his filmography so well? I don't know, man. It's a Joey King thing, you know? Okay, you don't gotta go there. It's a jet. <laughs> Matt, if you think this is too hard of a decision, I can make it easy for you and we can just discount it. I just I would have I would have lost something if I hadn't said it. I think it's a really good point. Um, I do think you've got mail is specifically elevated by the 90s. But I do think that there is this element of being a timeless classic that, you know, just because something can do well in its decade and outside of its decade doesn't make it less um, legitimate for the title of like best of that decade, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I think I get that. I'll stick with DDLJ and just wish there'd been a world where, you know, maybe first round it had gone up against uh, <laughs> there's something about Mary, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. But thank you for bringing that up. I think it's a really good point because um, it is very central to like how we viewed the Internet in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that, um, I can introduce The Wedding Singer. Uh, the Wedding Singer released in 1998, directed by Frank Carassi. Robbie, a high school musician turned wedding singer, um, lives in his hometown uh, and is left at the altar by his stinky ex. Very rude. um, And comes upon Julia, who starts waitressing at the the event hall where he works um, as she is preparing for his or her wedding uh, to turbo asshole Glenn. Um, Robbie and Julia slowly start to hit it off and the rest is history. Jake, do you want to introduce DDLJ? I sure do. Uh, DDLJ 1995 directed by Atia uh, Chopra. Um, you know, it's, it's Raj is a rich, uh, carefree, you know, happy go lucky dude. Simran is the daughter of the dude who's very strict about, uh, parental values uh, Simran has left to India to be married to her childhood fiance, and Raj leaves for India with a mission to claim his lady love under the noses of her whole family. Uh, and again, I just love that in the in the description it says at the end, "Thus begins a saga." Um, <laughs> it's just like such a funny like it, it's also like such a yada yada if someone's like writing like a Bollywood like a thus long be- movie <laughs> like you know synopsis they're like and uh, um, thus begins the movie the movie happens yeah um right out the gate two things one. Um, the somebody kill me please is in fact on the wedding singer um, like official movie soundtrack. Oh uh, yeah, so you, and it's its most popular. Uh, so you know that baby got immediately added to my. Um, I've been listening to it. <laughs> That's so funny. Continues to be fire. So Matt, is that your favorite song on that soundtrack? I think so. I mean, there's probably something else that's like fits the movie really well and's nice, but like somebody kill me please no, is just no, like. Too humorously like like genuine trash core that I just <laughs> gobble up like a little goblin. Okay, you so are you are right. I, to, yeah, I have a definitive favorite song from DDLJ, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if you guys have the same song. Yeah, because okay, because like while before right before you get into that, I think one of the big comparisons is that music is so intrinsic in the, in the sure. you know. Oh yeah. Right, so. So we yeah. can we can talk about those. I was really excited that's a, to talk that's about that's a real it, we brain didn't get comment. to talk about. <laughs> yeah. No, I was ready. I was prepared with this one. Yeah, we we didn't get to talk really about the music in DDLJ or the wedding singer, really. We just talked about uh somebody kill me. But please, Alex, go ahead. Well, I want to know what your guys are. I wanna I because I so, for some reason I feel like we all have the same favorite song, uh, even though we haven't discussed it at all. Oh boy, but I feel like now there's pressure to pick the because what if I don't have the same favorite song as Alex? Then Alex can be disappointed. Okay, I won't be disappointed. I'll just say what mine is. Okay, he's gonna kiss me. 
Mine is um, Rukaja Odile uh, Duane, the one that's in the like French party that they turn into like a nightclub and there's uh, all the horns and everything. That's, that's a really good one. one. <laughs> it's so good. I was jamming to it earlier this morning. Like the music in it is so good. All the horns, the way that it's diegetic. Like, oh, it's so fun. Uh, but what are you guys' favorite songs? That one's really good. I love that most of the songs, it's a, eh, it's maybe about 50, 50 or 70, 30. So many of the songs in this movie are diegetically occurring, which yeah. I think is so fun. Um, which is it. honestly the same for Wedding Singer. All yeah, the songs are yeah, Wedding Singer. Diegetic, exactly. Yeah. It was something I wanted to talk about with that movie. And I think that that is just like, there's something about incorporating diegetic musical numbers that is just like so fun to me. Um, and yeah, both of these movies do it in a really, really fun way. Um, sorry to cut you off, Jake, but what was your, your favorite? No, no, uh, you're totally good. Uh, it's the flat, it's the flower one. I kind of talked about it before. I just think it's so like fun and like, it really like, I just love the bit of little flower feel. Something about it's really nice and like, it feels romantic and fun. Yeah. Um, I have to be, I have to be completely honest. You guys talk about the king of Bollywood, Shah Rukh Khan. Mm -hmm. Right. I didn't really like him in this movie until this song. And this song is okay. what, like 30 minutes right. into the movie? The shit out of me. But like <laughs> this 30 song. 30 minutes into a 40 or three hour <laughs> movie. Yeah. But like, you know, that's a that's, significant that is, amount that of time. Is. You know? Um, but this song like so won me over. It's so much fun. It starts with like he does the dumb piano bid and he like stomps on the keys and it's like, okay, classic. That's what I expected. And then he like starts beautifully playing the piano and goes into this incredible dance number. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so much fun. It's so good. So how do you guys feel about how DDLJ uses its music to elevate versus how the wedding singer does? I think that that's a really interesting question because... Because DDLJ specifically has both the diegetic and non-diegetic music. Um, and I feel like they almost serve different purposes. Mm -hmm. Like the, sure. the diegetic ones, I feel like are. Those are like very intrinsically tied to like things that are actively occurring and moving the story forward. Whereas the non-diegetic ones are very tied to like, I feel like higher level themes and things like that. So like they, the songs function differently, which I think is really interesting. Whereas the wedding singer, I feel like maybe not as like deep and lofty, but I think it elevates mostly it's comedy through its music. And I am a absolute sucker for musical comedy. Um, <laughs> the, the recurring bit of um, singing the, the only knowing a single song and repeatedly singing that song at every type of event, regardless if it's a, a bar mitzvah or a wedding is is funny, which is not to say it's like more legitimate to like unearth your story's theme through music versus what, which I think there's probably some theming going on in wedding singers music. Well, I think it's interesting. I think that it's kind of a hard battle because obviously the mu the music in ddlj is in hindi so like i don't understand as much of it like i don't feel the rhythm as much like i i can't get as much out of it because i don't speak the language but it, i feel like if i did i would love them so much they're such fun songs the tune has been stuck in my head for like a week and a half that um is like their relationship theme in the movie there's so much good stuff um, sing it well, no, I don't remember because now I have Rukaja or Deal Devane stuck in my head, which is fair. Let's but I'll that. sing that. Yeah, Rukaja or Deal Devane. Ba ba da ba. Re rewatching the musical numbers from DDLJ and just like there's like so much going on. They're like genuine musical numbers. Yeah, you know, there's like choreography. Mm -hmm. There's just so many people involved in all of them. Is just so much fun um, mm -hmm. in a really infectious way. Yeah. yeah. 100%. So on, because um, you guys talked quite a bit with um, DLJ's music, what are your reactions, thoughts for Wedding Singer's music? Um, do you think there's there's more to it than than what I, I alluded to? So or? I think, because I, I like it, and, and I think 
something we have to take note of is that like this is Adam Sandler, this young Adam Sandler. It was probably just a tool for him to do his silly Adam Sandler song or just show that you can say like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Nobody like, kill me, please. <laughs> like, it's definitely the the concept of this. And they knew Adam Sandler was going to be the lead. Like, they probably wrote it for him in mind. I don't know who the writers were, but it's probably SNL affiliated or some shit. Like, you know, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um I think it was used for Adam Sandler as a vessel to to sing and, and feel romantic, but also funny because he's he had that charm about him and, and yeah. So whether that I don't think that cheapens it at all. I think they they wrote it like smartly, but I think it, it's they wrote it for like an outside thing rather than um, I don't know if I'm using the wrong words verbiage, but you'll catch my drift. Whereas like DDLJ yeah. like uses it like for, for their film and they knew they were going to like incorporate it like in the film. Whereas when you say they use it for the film, but it's also like because Adam Sandler was known for like singing on SNL, doing silly songs. They're like, Oh, this will be perfect. Yeah. Well, what's interesting to me about it. And we talked about this a little bit last time is that like this movie to me is not, what I know Adam Sandler for. Like I know Adam Sandler for the like shitty comedies that he did in the early two thousands, you know? And to me, I was so surprised at how much I liked his, his work in this movie. Um, like I was surprised that his singing sounded so good. Yeah. Um, and it's all actually like him singing. singing. Yeah. Honestly, actually, the first yeah. time I heard him singing was in the movie Eight Crazy Nights. Uh, shout out Jews, an animated whatever. <laughs> uh, and that movie, a lot of it doesn't age well, but I kind of love it. I think it's just because like, as a Jewish person, you don't get a lot of holiday movies. So I could take I take what I get. Hey, uh, one day maybe we'll do a you know <laughs> Jewish yeah. movies bracket. We'll do Jewish movies bracket. <laughs> and honestly, I, I genuine uncut gems. <laughs> um, Sorry, I <laughs> I, I thought he sounded really good in in a Crazy Nights. Like there are certain songs where like they turned funny and stupid or whatever, but like I think he sounds really good. And they make me emotional. To throw an absolute wrench into things with a fun fact. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As I said, I got a load of them for DDLJ because, uh, well, actually, I don't know if I mentioned it. I mentioned it for some other movie. Um, also, watch this. It's available on Amazon Prime Video. Oh, fuck damn it. <laughs> Guys, it's a contractual <laughs> obligation, okay? <laughs> Once um, you work for Amazon, you can't go back. You can never go back. Uh, but s- apparently, someone else was the first choice for the role of Raj. What the fuck? Do you want to know who? Oh my god! It's someone Was we it all Adam know. Sandler? <laughs> oh my god! It's gonna be uh, closer, closer than you think. Wait, what? Wait, who, who did you was guess? it? Who did you say? He said Adam Sandler. Uh, what? Tom Cruise. Stop it. Was originally the first choice for Rob. <laughs> However, it. Uh, he wanted too much money. Yeah, that that tracks. <laughs> wow, that tracks. That's hilarious. That like, because he is a like. It, it blows my mind sometimes to remember that Tom Cruise is a mega movie star. Like he is like, he's like, yeah, people fit like he's a, they want Tom Cruise. He sells tickets and he's, he's a movie star. This motherfucker <laughs> got thought of for a Bollywood film. I imagine the original script was different or when they were conceiving of it being Tom Cruise, it was. Different no, I'd like to believe it. <laughs> I like to believe that he was second generation Indian. <laughs> I bet. Insane. I bet they would have said that he was mixed race and that his mom was white. And they, I bet they would have said he was like British and they like took over. It. Like it's like some like fucking like real <laughs> bad shit. It's, yeah. a, it's a colonizer story. So yeah, that is another follow up that I want to make that we didn't talk about about DDLJ, but I think it's culturally really significant for Bollywood films. Absolutely, yeah. The fact that Raj isn't born in India that he is the he's a second generation immigrant and Indian in like the archetypal sort of like big bold um competing love interest so to speak or you know fiance of um is of Simran is Indian from India and Raj is the protagonist of the story is a like really significant point um that like just because you are not born in India doesn't make you less Indian is like a really mm-hmm. significant thing. Um, Absolutely. 
And Tom Cruise would have nailed that. Yeah, I'm sure. Which is very, very cool. No, um, it is very cool. And that's that's why this is one of my favorite like Bollywood films for like that reason. Uh, Like it is like a rom com, like and it is still has fun, but it like it's it's a very good good message for not just the love part because you know the love conquers all thing. Like it's also about identity, and um, I think it's really good when you have a rom com balance other like themes, and I think this like really nails nails that theme as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. There's a, a lot a lot going on here. Um and a lot to So these two relationships do uh, they how last? do we do they last? How are we feeling about them? I mean, I think DDLJ's does for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it'd I... be very Go ahead. I mean, I'm sure they're I I'm sure they're going to maybe have hiccups, especially with familiar whatever stuff, but I think everything they went through, I think it's like for better or for worse, they're together. I, I think that they, they are genuinely have fallen in love with one another. I think DDLJ, I think they last. And maybe controversially, but I think in The Wedding Singer, I think uh, Julia and Robbie last. They, they, I think so, too. There, there's something that in their relationship. Yeah. You know, I there's think they want about the, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> they, there's something about Julia Gulia. Um, I think Robbie <laughs> and Julia want the, the same sort of things out of life. And I, I think it'll work out. No, it seems sweet, right? Like, it seems like just like, I believe that. Well, and his career is going to take off, too. So he's going to be rich. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he's going to start and cut jams. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. In uh, The Wedding Singer, mm-hmm. the the fact that the plot resolves on a plane to Las Vegas just the convenience of he's telling the story with like and they happen to be on the same plane it's just very funny to me yeah it's funny like i it, that the wedding singer is one of those things where like i'm not going to nitpick about certain things because i like it serves for the comedy and i think it's fun like if you nitpick it it's like come on let's let's the narrative elements that are you know coincidence are played off as rom-com magic mm-hmm. yeah. rather than like not making sense or not fitting. Mm-hmm. Like they we all love totally rom-com fit. magic here at the tough yeah. cut. We sure yeah. do. We sure do. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know. The Billy Idol plot points very funny to me. There's a lot of just, it's just <laughs> like, yeah. Wedding singer is just fun. Um, also, I don't know if we talked about it before, but a little detail that I think is so funny is because Robbie lives in his, you know, siblings basement essentially like offshoot the address listed above his little basement entrance because it has its own egress rad is um 1075 and a half is <laughs> this is address <laughs> um, because the main house is 1075 i think is nice very funny it's a it's a yeah, instead detail. of like an a b situation they do half <laughs> yeah which is which very is pretty good. which is good which is nice you're pretty did you guys so we talked this was an off the record conversation. We, um, in planning some of our different uh, potential brackets, one of the things we talked about was a directorial debut. Right. DDLJ is a directorial debut. That's crazy. Are you fucking Isn't serious? that wild? Yeah. Um, Yo, it was a DDLJ's directorial That's debut. Yeah. That's crazy. The man has not made that, directed that many movies. And it, it seems the rest of his filmography does not have the same positive reception well here's the thing when you make it's like it's like the citizen kane of it all it's like the the orson Orson welles Welles. yeah like you make your first movie was the movie that lasted in bollywood for 20 years come on like though yeah yeah Mm -hmm. it's i'm not gonna i'm not gonna axe that filmmaker for you know any of that wait is shower Khan in every other movie oh no not his most recent and the other two, <laughs> he, he was. Well, Khan took a took a little break for like two years. Yeah, the king of Bollywood. Do you guys know? Before this, he um, was an antihero. He played a lot of villains. Yep. To my my understanding, upon reading a little bit about it, post watching the movie, DDLJ was like a big turning point in his career. And like originally, he didn't really want to take the role because he's like, it does, you know, I think was worried about. It being like a, the character, the this character being too soft for him. But he found out he's a soft boy. Yeah, and then it turns out he's like the <laughs> the great, the king of Bollywood, <laughs> the big hero. So many things. Maybe Tom Cruise should be in more rom coms. 
Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Imagining a world where <laughs> the longest running film in India starred Tom Cruise. <laughs> Dude. Do you think that's the... I bet that's the same world where Nicolas Cage played Aragorn. Honestly. Yeah. And Superman. Take me there. Mm-hmm. 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 I'd just kind of like to see it. <laughs> I don't know if it'll be good. I don't, I don't need to stay there, but I want to see it. <laughs> um, should we vote? Think I we feel should? like, yeah, we, I, I feel like vote. from the beginning, we've all known what's going to happen here. All right. Bring it home. Somebody kill me, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my penis. Um, I'm voting for DDLJ. Right what? off the bat. Yeah, I'm going to go against the grain here. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Alex, what about you? Uh, it's got to be DDL. No! <laughs> oh, God! Oh, look how they slaughtered my... Look how they massacred my boy! <laughs> um, I am also voting for DDL today. <laughs> that is three strikes. Uh, the wedding singer is out. It is um, deceased. It it Which, joins. It's basically the same movie as There's Something About Mary. Whoa, That's what that no, means. No, no, no. <laughs> something About Mary was left uninturned, not buried. Like uh, the wedding singer gets a, a tasteful, a tasteful <laughs> funeral. <laughs> Love that. With that, um, the finale for our 90s rom-com bracket will be Pretty Woman versus DDLJ, uh, which should be a lot of fun. Um, and hey, maybe we'll ask you for some honorable mentions and you can send us to send those to us on social media at Tough Cut Pod on all your favorites. Yeah. Uh, if you enjoyed today's show, review the show on all your favorite podcasting platforms. They don't have to be five star reviews. And as we said before, you can just please, bully please, us we'll take anything. <laughs> yeah, we'll take Honestly, anything. Have we gotten any new ones? We have actually. We oh. well, Yeah, we've gotten a couple of. Uh, I think the one time when we did it at the beginning of the episode oh. um, actually led to a couple of people reviewing the show. That's pretty <laughs> hey, smart. Maybe we That's should uh, change our structure a little bit. Maybe. Yeah. maybe we can just, you know, put this audio in the beginning. We can say whenever. Um, yeah. If they enjoyed, who should they share the episode with if they, they enjoyed it? Share it with a newlywed, newlywed or couple. A Scientologist. Yeah. Hey, or a free Scientologist. wedding gift. If you free can share this gift. episode <laughs> with Tom Cruise. I want an explanation. And Alex, as you were saying, a wedding a, as a wedding yeah, gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to buy a wedding gift. Just send them the Tough Cut podcast. Oh, mm-hmm. that's perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. People love getting immaterial things for their wedding. Um, whoa, <laughs> purely vibes. Yeah, that's all this podcast is. This is vibes till they pay us millions of dollars to do this. I don't think a- we're ever making a million. Okay, fine. Per two year. million. Oh. <laughs> Uh, we're well on the road that big big sponsorship oh shit uh Uh, spoiler warning we're gonna be spoiling these movies (laughs) 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 that's the end of the episode